BCY America presents Crosstalk, a nationwide call-in program discussing issues that have an effect on our families, our communities, our churches, our nation, and our world. Crosstalk, an opportunity for you to voice your concerns for biblical principles. And now live by satellite and around the world on the Internet at vcyamerica.org. Here is today's Crosstalk. And friends, thank you for joining us on Crosstalk here on VCY America. The globalist agenda never gives up. I mean, sometimes it backs off for a time, but only to be repackaged in another wrapper. But its goals always remain the same. You see, the globalist agenda strikes at national sovereignty and and makes uh, every endeavor to bring upon central power, bringing itself, you know, central power, central control uh, to a, a very elite group of individuals that desire to dominate every aspect of our lives and liberties across this planet. And there are many players like the United Nations, the World Economic Forum, the World Health Organization, the International Monetary Fund, and the list of players goes on and on. Well, today we're going to take a a further look at the globalist agenda, some things that transpired in 2023, and looking ahead here in 2024. Joining us, we welcome back Gary Ka. Gary is the founder and director of Hope for the World, editor of the Hope for the World Update. He's an author, a former Europe and Middle East trade specialist for the Indiana State Government. Gary, thanks for joining us today. Hi, Jim. It's always a pleasure to be with you. So, Gary, I know, and we're going to delve right into it because we've got a ton of information to to uh, make known here to our listeners, but I, I know you've been monitoring Israel's war with Hamas. Hamas committed a, an atrocious, barbaric attack against Israel on October 7th, and increasingly we have the tentacles of the, U, the United Nations taking positions very much in opposition to Israel. So, if you would, let's begin by first commenting on, on this war that's going on, which may be a, a major issue here in this year of 2024 as well. Yeah, I, I personally believe that the timing of the war is not a coincidence. I, I think it's intended to set the stage for uh, a lunge forward uh, into uh, a much more globalist system uh, by creating so much fear and panic in people that, that ultimately the world will be willing to embrace something that under normal circumstances they wouldn't uh, as a resolution to this. So I, I don't believe this attack was, was a coincidence. Um, but now it, that it's begun, I mean, it's just uh, escalating and... Um, I feel very blessed to have a good friend uh, in Jerusalem. Uh, he has two sons in the IDF, and he's been consistently a, a good, solid source of, of information. He's a truth teller, uh, sees things objectively, and um, he shared with me a few weeks ago something that I would otherwise not be aware of. I haven't seen any media coverage on this, but... Um, uh, last month, well, it's been actually it would have been in November, I believe. Now, um, ten top Iranian generals took up positions in Syria. They're pretty much running the show now within Syria. Hmm. And you know, Hezbollah a few days ago launched a more serious attack at Israel. It's still not yet an all-out assault, but it's moving in that direction. And unlike Hamas, Hezbollah has over 120,000 precision-guided rockets and missiles. I mean, they can hit targets this time. If they fire 10 rockets at the same target, it's going to be almost impossible for Israel's Iron Dome defense system to take them all out. And so if this thing gets messy and things are drifting in that direction with Hezbollah, then how would Israel have to respond? Because right now all the weapons are coming from Iran through Syria, into southern Lebanon. And so my concern is if Hezbollah ramps things up, at some point Israel's going to have to go after Syria, If because if they don't, the supplies will just keep coming and the war would never end. And once that happens, if Israel uh, really attacks Syria, you've got Russian advisors in there as well. They've been in there all along. A lot of people aren't aware of that. At one point, uh, the Russian advisors pretty much ran the naval uh, base, Syria's naval base on the Mediterranean. So if, if, if you get Iran and, and, and Russia uh, into this mix, and you already have the Ukraine-Russia war going on, this could all become one big expanded war, uh, more than just a regional conflict. Uh, but again, Israel can't afford to just drag things 
out indefinitely and not deal with their adversaries. And so they're being uh, placed in a very difficult situation. And we really need to pray for Israel's leadership as well as the IDF. Uh, right now in Gaza, it's a house-to-house kind of thing. They, you know, they did everything they could in northern Gaza, but now uh, you're dealing with uh, uh, major population areas and the terrorists and Hamas hiding literally uh, among the, the civilians there. Mm-hmm. And so it's just a, a, a messy situation. Yeah. And this really can escalate, too. I mean, you, you mentioned uh, Russia, and, and we see this alliance happening with Russia and China, North Korea, Iran. I mean, these are major players in all of this, and, and uh, we, it's feared that we're going to see an expansion of this war going much more broader than what we see it take place right now. Yeah, and part of the problem is the U.S. projects such weakness right now through the current administration and in addition to that, we're trying to push Israel around, truth be told. Um, I mean, we're once again telling them what to do and not to do, and that's been the problem in the past. We've never allowed Israel to finish the job, and it's led to this situation. And my concern is if um, this war expands, and um, and with Biden in, in his situation, uh, you know, China may just be bold enough to make a move on Taiwan. They're looking for the right moment, and... Um, you know, it could be coming sooner rather than later. So, you know, history repeats itself. Unfortunately, it's as if people don't learn from history. Mm-hmm. But uh, what we're seeing unfolding right now is very reminiscent of, of, of World War II. And my father, who's 92 years old, uh, you know, watching some of these developments on the news has just told me that, that this brings back so many memories of how World War II came to be, one step at a time. And and uh, powers being emboldened because of the reactions from uh, the other side. And, and again, that's, that's what's happening right now. Gary, we're talking today about the globalist agenda, and isn't this even an example of the globalist agenda at work? Because through the years, there have been more United Nations resolutions against Israel than any other nation in the world. I think it's close to half of all UN security resolutions that are specifically target, a targeted uh, a country have been against Israel. Uh, is this part of the globalist uh, agenda? It, it is. I, I remember, I think it was back in 2018, uh, I did an article on it. And in that year, uh, I won't remember the exact statistics, but it was something like 23 or 24 resolutions of condemnation that were issued by the U.N., and all but two or three of them were against Israel. Wow, wow. You know, I mean, it just tells the whole story. Um, and, and in a broader perspective, from a historical view, uh, think along with me on this. World War I resulted in eventually the forming of the League of Nations, which was supposed to keep world peace and, and make sure that no war like that ever happens again. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of the first public step toward a, a globalist governing body, but it was very weak. Then World War II was fought. What happened after World War II? The UN was established as a, a pretty significant global governing uh, power, but without the authority it seeks. Um, and so, uh, given the trend, it, it makes sense that a third major global conflict could lead to an all-out system of, of global government in the name of, of keeping peace. You know, if you scare people to death and get them to think this is it, the, the, the world's going to destroy itself. We have to do something. We have to have a world government to protect countries from each other so that we can never get back to this point again. You know, that's where all of this is going. And globalists, what they like to do, they create a problem, they fan the flames, make it worse, bring it to a crisis point, and then they step in with their so-called solution, looking like the good guys, like we're here to, with, with all the answers to save the planet. And it's, it's a demonic strategy, uh, but it's very effective, and especially in a nation that uh, increasingly lacks discernment because our Judeo-Christian worldview uh, has diminished so much in the United States. Mm-hmm. So I'm afraid more and more we've, we've been set up for this, and a lot of people would go along with it, although the good news is uh, over the last year or so, people have been waking up, and I think the globalists understand that as well. And so from their perspective, the clock is now ticking because mm-hmm. they realize if this takes too long, if their goals take too long to accomplish, enough people are going to wake up that it's going to make their task much more difficult. So mm-hmm. I think we're going to see a real push 
uh, over the next year. And friends, this whole element of fear that Gary addressed and, and we saw happen with COVID, if we can keep the populace fearful, it allows for control, you know, to uh, for one to take control and, and to control a fearful people. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, Gary, as, as we just take a look back here at 2023, uh, we see the globalist agenda really did not take a break at all, did they? No, <laughs> there was one event after another, and I think since the last program that we did together, the the one big event, and you've already touched on this, but I'd like to review it briefly. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was COP twenty eight, COP twenty eight. It was, of course, held in Dubai back uh, November thirtieth to December twelfth. Uh, but this was the twenty eighth such meeting, the twenty eighth meeting of the conference of the parties, the 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 powers really involved in shaping the global environmental agenda, which is part of the bigger one world agenda. And uh, at this particular meeting, um, which was held, as I mentioned, in Dubai in the United Arab Emirates, Sultan Ahmed Al Jaber uh, was the appointed president designate. And he's the Minister of Industry and Advanced Technology uh, in the UAE, also the Special Envoy for for Climate Change. Um, So there's a lot of discussion about uh, Dubai and and how uh, some of the Arab countries have been brought into this that may have not supported this uh, a few decades ago, but now they're very much in the mix. And um, uh, what a lot of people are not aware of is that the United Kingdom uh, played a major role in this. And unbeknownst to nearly everyone, you know this, Jim, but a few people do, but King Charles is viewed as the de facto leader of the global environmental movement. He's, he's at the top of this thing, at least in, uh, in appearance. Um, he gave a keynote address there uh, back in the day when this environmental movement was first publicly launched back in Rio de Janeiro at the Earth Summit, uh, I believe it was in 1992, uh, Charles played such a major role in pulling all that together uh, that a group down in Brazil uh, issued a famous sculpture <laughs> uh, to put together a, 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 um, a, a statue of Charles. And the funny thing is, his face was on top of it, but it looked like Mr. Atlas. You know, mm-hmm. this guy was rippling muscles, and I mean, it was comical, really, when you when you see it. But uh, they put a lot of money into this, and then flew him down there to unveil this in honor of him. And it's sitting somewhere down in Brazil, close to the Amazon rainforest. But I mean, he has, for the last 30 years, together with Mikhail Gorbachev when he was alive, and Stephen Rockefeller, and, and Marie Strong, and, and a few others has been at the forefront of this. And so I just wanted to throw that in there because um, uh, I think some people think, well, this is just a bunch of crazies getting together, hyper-environmentalists. This isn't going to go anywhere. Uh, but literally, you've got the royal family of England mm-hmm. behind this and a lot of the other families of, of Europe and, and prominent big money uh, pushing this environmental agenda. And the official COP28 global mandates were to go into effect on December 13th, the day after uh, this event ended. And that launched a seven-year plan for full implementation by the end of 2030, in line with the UN's 2030 agenda. Okay. And that's why they call it the 2030 agenda. Oh, my. we got to pick up with that. Gary Kaz with us today, founder and director of Hope for the World, discussing globalist agenda, looking back, looking forward, because, friends, there are more events planned for this year of 2024. We'll be back in one minute. You're listening to Crosstalk on VCY America. Back to Genesis with Dr. John Morris, scientist and creation seminar speaker with the Institute for Creation Research. Dr. Morris, during Creation Week, what kinds of fish were created? Chris, the Bible says God created each of the animals after their kind. It says on day five of Creation Week that the fish were the first truly living creature that he created. This was the first use of the term living. On day three, it created plants, but these are never in Scripture referred to as living in the sense that they had blood or the breath of life. Plants are biologically alive, of course, but not living in the sense of having consciousness. On day five, however, the Bible says that the oceans were literally teeming with life. Each basic type of fish was created at that point. Since that time, a lot of varieties, say of the cod or the bass or the sharks, have arisen, but no new basic kinds. God created all things after their kind back in Genesis. For more information, visit our website at icr.org.
Globalist Agenda, Looking Back, Looking Forward, with Gary Kai here today, our guest, founder and director of Hope for the World, and uh, friends, he does publish a newsletter. Uh, we'll be talking about that as well. Uh, Gary, you call it the Hope for the World Update. That's correct, and we just um, uh, provide in-depth coverage of today's global events from a uh, Christian perspective and offer hope as well, because a lot of this stuff is really heavy. Mm-hmm. We need to know about it to be discerning Christians, but we can't lose sight of the hope that we have because of what Jesus has done, and so um, we always try to bring in that hope as well. And friends, his website, GaryKa.org. Ka is spelled K-A-H, Gary Ka. Dot O-R-G. So, Gary, we're just talking here about this uh, uh, the COP28 uh, conference held in Dubai, this Global Climate Summit, and and uh, you mentioned uh, the signatories, uh, you know, December 13th, instituting a seven-year plan. That's an interesting number of years. Um, but I find it also very interesting as to the number of countries just seeming to bend over backwards to really bow to this agenda. Yes, it's it's pretty much the whole world. Um, this environmental agenda has taken hold through our education system, through major foundations that are funding it, uh, through the, the NEA. I mean, almost every type of union involving education has been supporting this environmental mm-hmm. agenda. And then you also have religious leaders backing this. Uh, Pope Francis specifically has been very supportive of the global environmental agenda. And about three years ago or so, I remember we did an article on this, um, he launched a special global education program to further educate people on uh, environmental matters, and it, really for the purpose of, of uh, setting people up to embrace a socialist global agenda. And uh, some of his statements were quite direct in that regard, so I'm not putting words in his mouth. Uh, this man is very much on board of this one-world agenda, uh, and he uh, is pushing a, a socialist worldview, and he's doing a lot of this through the environmental issues. Well, friends, so we have that political push. You've got that uh, religious push as well that's going on for this. Uh, Gary, as we you know, turn our eyes here to uh, 2024, uh, you indicated in correspondence to me that that we could be living in a complete, completely different country by this time next year as it relates to the planned agenda by globalist bodies. There are some major meetings that are coming up this year. One is in May, and it's going to lead up to a September event. Tell us what's, what's happening. Unfold it for us, if you would. All right. I think I'm, I'm actually going to touch on the September event first. Um, it's already known uh, to globalists as the Summit of the Future, and it's expected to be the most important uh, UN globalization gathering to date, really a, a capstone event. Um, the Federalist uh, uh, broke this news a few months back, and they stated, I'd just like to quote them here, said, in September 2024, less than two months before the next U.S. presidential election, the UN will host a landmark summit of the future where member nations will adopt a pact for the future. The agreement will solidify numerous policy reforms offered by the U.N. over the past two years as part of its sweeping Our Common Agenda platform. Although there are numerous radical proposals included in the agenda, perhaps none are more important than the U.N. plan for a new emergency platform, a stunning proposal to give the U.N. significant powers in the event of future global shocks, such as another worldwide pandemic, end quote. So um, I looked more into this, and it's uh, interesting. The U.N. website admits that one of the purposes of this summit is to, quote, put in place a stronger international response playbook for complex global shocks, maximizing the use of the Secretary General's convening power in the form of an emergency platform, end quote. So in a nutshell, if all this materializes, it would give the United Nations unprecedented emergency powers and do so on a global scale. And that's a scary thought when you realize uh, who the most powerful figures are within uh, the UN, Guterres being one of them. Um, And Guterres, while he was president of Portugal and in the years leading up to his presidency of Portugal, he was also the head of the Socialist International. And that's really the mothership 
of almost all of your hardcore socialist organizations in the world. They funnel into that. He was the head of that. He's now the head, the Secretary General of the United Nations. Um, UN Secretary General Guterres uh, declares, and I quote, I propose that the General Assembly provide the Secretary General and the UN system with a standing authority to convene and operationalize automatically an emergency platform in the event of a future complex shock of sufficient scale, severity, and reach. And then in a policy paper that they came out with last March uh, that they base all of this upon, uh, they gave several examples of what could extend emergency authority to the UN. And the list includes a major climate event, a future pandemic, a global digital connectivity disruption, and by that I assume they mean something like a cyber attack or an EMP strike, yeah. or a major event in outer space, among other unforeseen risks, they say. So basically, whatever they want to turn into an emergency, uh, to take emergency powers at a global level, uh, they could do so. And um, this thing could uh, be in place, these emergency powers, for as long as it's deemed necessary, in other words, indefinitely. Um, the Biden administration, by the way, has already backed the U.S. proposal on multiple occasions. The reason I know that is because they have actually helped to put this together. They've been involved in it. So that prompted uh, a reporter by the name of Justin Haskins to warn, and I quote him, he says, if the emergency platform is approved, the United States as we know it could cease to exist, end quote. Now, again, this is next September. This is just months away. It's September 22nd and 23rd. I'm looking at the, the website right now. Yeah. And, and right now, you know, unless there's divine intervention, um, this thing is slated to, to go through. So, again... Uh, just months from now, the U.N. would have unprecedented powers to basically become a global governing body and force itself upon the people. Any member nation of the U.N., uh, or if it's a, if it's a pandemic uh, situation, any member nation of the World Health Organization uh, would be obliged to abide uh, by whatever the U.N. does. So that's why I am a strong proponent of getting the U.S. out of the World Health Organization and, for that matter, out of the U.N. altogether. Uh, let them move to another country and stop funding it. Um, I'm not very confident, mm -hmm. though, of that happening under the current administration. Yeah, and when we think about a major climate event or a major, you know, another pandemic, uh, any significance to this being an election year, a presidential election year, Gary? <laughs> well... You know, there's, there's different ways you can look at this. Um, if the powers that be believe that Biden may lose, that they can't do enough through the media and their narrative and their clever ways, uh, you know, to manipulate things to get him to win, if there's just too big of a gap and he's too far behind, who knows what they may try to pull off between now and the election. Or if, if the election goes through and... Um, he loses, you know, there's still a couple of months afterwards before a new administration would come into power. So the, the next 12 months, I, I cannot overemphasize how critical it is and why we need to be praying, and not only praying, but doing, informing people and being out there, because there is so much at stake right now. Yeah. Now, Gary, you mentioned this coming up in September, but there's another event that's preceding this in May. That's right. It's really a lead-up to the Summit of the Future, and it is also a landmark gathering. Uh, in May is when the 77th World Health Assembly is slated to convene in order to ratify a global pandemic treaty. Uh, this is being referred to by the Biden administration as an accord, and that's simply playing semantics, but for political reasons, because if it's a treaty, it takes a certain approval of, of Congress, but in accord, he can just sign off on, and, uh, and it's in place. And so we need to be aware of, of this. Um, it's going to take place in Geneva, Switzerland, uh, this annual meeting of, of the World Health Assembly. Um, and the specific agenda at this year's meeting is, in fact, the final approval and global implementation of this treaty. Uh, those in charge are in the process of making the final adjustments right now to the amendments that are part of the WHO's current international health rules, and they want to merge them into the global 
post-pandemic treaty to be presented. So I imagine by now it's, it's, it's pretty much all ready to go. They just want to get it approved. Um, Michelle Bachman, uh, who's done an excellent job covering this, she was there in person at last May's 76th World Health Assembly, and, and she was very, very concerned and um, uh, said, among other things, that one of the goals here is to um, assign every person a QR code uh, that will be part of one's digital ID, and this will all be part of this uh, international draconian uh, health system uh, that, you know, if there's a pandemic, it would all go into effect, and they could basically basically tell everybody what to do and punish you if you don't do it. I mean, it's, it's a move toward a global uh, dictatorship. And Michelle also stated that global government is already being made operational, currently being implemented to various deg- uh, in various degrees in Europe as well as in Africa. So things are moving right along. Um, I personally believe that the likelihood of another health emergency uh, being sprung on the world's population uh, is increasing once again. Uh, I don't know how effective it would be here in the United States right now because people are waking up. Uh, However, there is another pandemic tabletop exercise being planned for this coming October. And if um, event 201 that took place in October of 2019 is any indication, uh, you know, there might be another pandemic around the corner because that's what happened back in 2019. They, They had this meeting. They planned out how... Uh, the globalists would respond to an international pandemic, and two months later it broke out and everything unfolded virtually exactly like what they spoke of and planned for at that meeting. And at that meeting, uh, Jim, the Center for Disease Control from China was actually present at the meeting. I mean, you can't make this stuff up, along with the uh, Gates Foundation representatives and, and, and others. Well, so another one of these is being planned for this October, so we need to keep our eye on that just in case they uh, try something once again. So a lot going on. It really is. And, I mean, these are just two of other events that are going on, even in preparation for these meetings that, you know, are being planned to organize these meetings. But, friends, the summit of the future that Gary talked about is being held September 22 and 23, 2024. And now he just finished talking about the 77th World Health Assembly, this this global pandemic treaty. Oh, no, no, let me erase the word treaty. They're going to call it an accord so that we don't have to go through, you know, the two-thirds Senate majority vote here. Uh, we just, uh, semantics changed the name for that. But uh, that is being held May 27th through June the 1st, the 77th World Health Assembly. And, Gary, these are two major events. I know there's a number of small events. We're just seconds from the break, but uh, this is really a time for people to be in prayer and to be aware. Absolutely. Absolutely. When we come back from the break, I want to hone in specifically on the year 2024 and uh, give more of a reason why it is a target year and so strategic. Um, But there will be events throughout the year going on every month, two or three of them, between now and the end of the year. Friends, we'll be back in just a minute. Don't uh, miss the information. Gary Ka is with us from Hope for the World. His website, GaryKa.org. Ka is spelled K-A-H, GaryKa.org. Back in one minute here on Crosstalk. Crosstalk as we know it began airing in 1987. Good afternoon to you, Victor Lyson here. We are going to be talking today with... It comes your way from the VCY America Network out of Milwaukee. Did you ever wonder what the letters VCY stand for? Ever pondered what's behind the ministry that presents Crosstalk every day? We're pleased to share with you a free copy of the magazine formatted book, God's Continuing Miracle, The VCY Story. This book of over 200 pages presents nearly 500 photographs, interviews, historic newspaper articles, and writings about the VCY America ministry, now over 60 years old. The magazine will also inform you about VCY rallies, the birthday club ministry, the VCY bookstore, and so much more. It is a testimony to God's faithfulness. To receive a free copy of God's Continuing Miracle, the VCY Story, call 1-800-729-9829. 
This is Crosstalk on VCY America. No wonder why Gary said we could be living in a completely different country by this time next year as it relates to this planned agenda by these globalist bodies. I mean, you think about these events, the World Health Assembly, that global pandemic treaty that is being finalized, uh, that uh, coming up uh, at the end of May uh, here of 2024. We think also the summit of the future uh, planned for September of 2024. Gary, you you mentioned uh, other plans here for 2024. I understand even the World Economic Forum has some big plans for this year of 2024. Unfold it for us. Yeah, and there are meetings uh, coming up uh, just in a matter of days, January 15th to 19th in Davos, Switzerland. And so they'll be taking up a lot of this there and laying the groundwork. Uh, But speaking of the World Economic Forum, it takes me back to March of 2022. Um, At that time, I was a guest on Curtis Bowers' program, and Curtis got in touch with me, I think it was the next day or the day after that, and said right after the program, a gentleman contacted him and said it's urgent that uh, he speaks with me. And so Curtis was contacting me to get permission uh, for the two of us to you know, be put in touch with each other. And so uh, long story short, I spoke with this gentleman for about an hour. Uh, we'll, we'll call him John. Um, and John shared with me that he had inadvertently, uh, through something that happened to some property that he owned, uh, been drawn into the global environmental movement and had no knowledge up front that it's basically part and parcel with the broader One World movement. And so he began playing along with it and ended up being mentored over a period of a few years, by one of the most prominent members of the World Economic Forum. And so just before we spoke, which again was in March of 22, just a few weeks before that, so it might have been toward the end of February of that year, John said that um, he had had lunch with this friend, this mentor of his, if you will, and he decided to be bold and, and put forth a type of question that went something like this. Gee, as fast as everything's moving forward right now, uh, is it possible that the next big move of the Great Reset for, uh, moving forward could still happen this year, meaning 2022? And he barely had the words out of his mouth. And this guy from the World Economic Forum said, 2024, 2024 just emphatically. And, and so John told me um, he had no doubt in his mind that they were preparing something big for 2024 to lunge forward. And um, he knows this guy pretty well. He's, he's near the top of the uh, WEF. Now, this was two years ago, you know, and, and things happen. And, and again, God can intervene. A lot can happen. I never set dates, as you know, Jim. Right. It's the quickest way to lose credibility because it, it denies the God factor, you know. But having said that, it is nonetheless helpful to know what our adversaries are planning. And, and I believe the Lord wanted this man to share that inform, information with me so that I could pass it along. That the globalists, if they have their way, They'd like to spring something big on us this year. Now, whether that's an economic collapse, uh, furthering the wars going on in the world to turn them into World War III, or some type of major um, terrorist attacks in this country. And, you know, it's not too hard to see how that could happen, given how many thousands have come across our southern border now uh, from countries that have supported terrorism in the past. So there's all kinds of possibilities as far as a a crisis scenario goes. Um, Whether it would happen before the election or after, I have no idea. I'm just throwing this out there. Mm -hmm. And again, I've known about this for two years, so we've we've been keeping a close uh, lookout on what globalists have planned. And we've already talked about two of the big meetings uh, that if all of this goes through, what they have planned would give them unprecedented powers by the end of September. Friends, it's amazing to see what's going on. And as Gary pointed out, uh, just the meeting with World Economic Forum getting underway just days from now. Uh, matter of fact, uh, is beginning on January the 15th. And I'm, again, I just went to the World Economic Forum website. Folks, that, this is being done in open. And, and you can see, here's what they're saying. Amid increasing division and uncertainty that continue to destabilize the world, the World Economic Forum Annual Meeting 2024 will bring together more than 2,000 
800 leaders across geographies and industries to advance dialogue, strengthen cooperation, and deepen partnership on critical global challenges. And uh, Gary, I understand that the whole theme for this is rebuilding trust. <laughs> rebuilding trust is their theme. And really, I guess it is to, to get the, the, the whole world to, what, trust them? Yes, and again, to do that, you know, why would we need the World Economic Forum and and whatever they're pushing, this agenda that they're pushing, if everything in the world is going fairly well? So it's to their benefit and in their best interest to foment crisis wherever they can, to make things look so bad that people will throw their hands up in the air and finally uh, agree to go along with the global system of government. So I, I wrote here in, in uh, one of our recent newsletter issues, I said, being aware of the globalist end game in all of this, namely the implementation of a global governing system to control us, it seems to me that the powers that be will attempt to launch major crises, plural, on several fronts to facilitate their push into the new world order. And other health crises alone won't be enough, uh, at least not in the United States not this time. Americans as a whole respond most to what affects their pocketbooks. While certain steps have been taken by the Fed to condition Americans to accept a digital ID and cashless digital currency, an all-out economic collapse may be required to force these drastic measures on the American people, so a major stock market crash cannot be ruled out. Um, So, you know, they do call it the World Economic Forum. But it seems like these people specialize in creating crises rather than presenting genuine solutions to the current situation. That's that's my take on it. Friends, uh, we've got more to unfold, but I'd like to also open our phone lines here today. Gary Ka is our guest. His website, GaryKa.org, K-A-H, is uh, the spelling of his last name, GaryKa.org. Our phone number to Crosstalk, 800-733-9829, 800-733-9829. Our topic today, Globalist Agenda, Looking Back, Looking Forward. And friends, uh, to be honest with you, we've only scratched the surface. Uh, we've just only kicked up a little bit of dust here as it relates to to the agenda uh, and what's been transpired from last year and also what's, uh, you know, what's afoot here for this this year of 2024, but uh, even as we speak, I mean that just days away from from meeting at the this this uh, annual meeting taking place of World Economic Forum, the big conference coming up in May, setting the stage for what's going to happen in September of this year. So much taking place. Let's go to the phone lines here today with Gary Ka. We have Ed calling from Spencer, Tennessee. You're on the air. Hello, I have a question here about the war. Uh, now, when Israel bombs Damascus, as Isaiah 17 states, do you think they'll use a nuclear device? Good question. Um, I A few years ago, I would have said it almost has to be a, a nuclear bomb. Uh, but having seen the destruction in Aleppo and some of the other cities in Syria a few years ago, basically they were left a heap of ruins just from regular fighting. And and so I don't know, but it it seems that um, to wipe out a big city like Damascus in in short order, um, that's probably what you're looking at here. Israel has about four minutes to react. If Syria were to launch a limited nuclear weapon, uh, that they get from Iran or from North Korea, for that matter. You know, it doesn't have to come from Iran. It could come from North Korea or from Russia. Uh, if they were to launch that at Israel, it would be over Jerusalem in four minutes. They'd have to be able to knock it out. And what would happen if they knock it out in the air? You know, it's, it could, would still go off and, and do tremendous damage. So uh, Israeli intelligence has to stay on top of that. Uh, but again, the weapons, they're all coming from Iran through Syria to Hezbollah. So if the fighting with Hezbollah intensifies, the only way eventually to stop that is to take out Damascus. And you don't, see, you don't want to wish that upon any city in the world, because you're looking at people, civilians who have souls that would perish in that. Um, but, you know, Isaiah 17.1 is still unfulfilled. It describes Damascus as becoming a, becoming a heap of ruins. And to date, Damascus is the oldest major city in the world that has never experienced mass destruction. Hmm. So that prophecy in Isaiah 17.1 
has never been fulfilled, and this may it may be the war that sees that uh, come to pass. I don't want to see that, but it it could happen. Ed, thank you for the call. Merle is next. Hi, Merle. You're on the air. Hello, Jim. I believe they are also preparing us for a grid takedown in light of the fact that the Obamas are now in the movie business and they published a movie which came out called Let the World Behind. And in that movie, there's a grid takedown. There's no Internet. There's no phone service. And then right behind that, uh, the government came out and issued a warning that indeed the Internet and uh, the grid could go down. Hmm. So I think they're prepping us in that regard. I know Gary didn't mention that. I kind of wanted his feelings on okay. that. Thank, Thank you. you. What about those vulnerabilities? Yeah, I, I did. I did mention that in the list of uh, some of the events that could happen that could trigger emergency powers for the United Nations. Uh, when I was talking about the September event, and one of those had to do with the digital connectivity issue, which I assume means uh, cyber attacks or an EMP strike, which would uh, accomplish what Merle just uh, stated. So uh, I I personally believe, and I've heard this from good sources too, that um, this is what keeps our good military generals up at night, those who are truly patriots and are concerned about the future of our country. This is what they're more concerned about even than a nuclear bomb going off in a city or two. If there's an EMP strike, it would shut down our country for years. And one estimate I saw from a general a couple of years ago uh, had it that up to 90% of the U.S. population would perish in less than a year due to starvation and other factors because it would shut down everything. Cars wouldn't run. Anything with a computer chip in it would be fried. Uh, your microwave oven, your heating cooling system, you name it. And so, you know, it would knock us back to the dark ages. And when you look at, at how weak the current administration is and that Russia and China really have no fear of us whatsoever, and that even powers such as Iran have the capacity to try to pull something like this off and might be able to do it, um, it, it it's a big concern. And I would urge all the Christians listening right now to pray fervently that that does not happen, that the Lord would thwart that. Because if, if that happens, you know, our communications would be shut down as well. We wouldn't be doing this talk show anymore, I can tell you that. I mean, everything would be done. And, and so we don't want to see that happen. Let's go next to Mark. Hi, Mark, you're on the air. Yeah, um, since Israel is small Satan and uh, the U.S. is big Satan, mm-hmm. even though 10-7 uh, happened in Gaza, could it be uh, unlikely that a tunneling system exists in the U.S. in order for them to uh, to ambush, uh, use that as a, a means to ambush uh, the U.S.? Well, it would be much more difficult, Mark, to do it in this country. I mean, there are tunneling systems there for defense reasons uh, along the front range of, of the Rockies and various places out west that connect various bases, I believe. Uh, but as far as a, as a, a terror network penetrating the U.S., um, you know, coming in under our border, um, there are tunnels, and some people have come in through those tunnels, which some of them come up inside of homes. But a lot of those have been spotted and, and caught over the years. So as far as a massive invasion goes, all they're having to do is walk across the border. They don't need yeah, tunnels. They don't need you know tunnels. I mean, we've had millions walk in, and, and uh, I'm willing to bet that at least a few thousand of those uh, have been terrorists. We're up against a break. Back in a minute, uh, you're listening to Crosstalk. For the Worldview Report, I'm Brandon House. Our website is worldviewreport.com. Dot com. You know the Bible verse, a prophet has no honor in his own land? Well, apparently this happened in Israel, where a former high-ranking general by the last name of Brick was giving a warning in early 2023. I want to make sure you understand, early 2023. He warned of what was going to happen, and it did, October 7th. He said, quote, Hamas will conquer settlements throw grenades into bunkers and shelters, and cause a massacre. The local residents, you and me, must defend these communities because the army will not be there, In quote. He said, quote, we feel that everything is fine and that there's no threat, but the public is not told the powers are preparing. These are equipped and trained. They will cross the border and attack and occupy our settlements in the south, In quote. My friends, we're giving the same warning here. Are you ready?
This is Crosstalk on VCY America. Gary Kai is with us today discussing the globalist agenda, looking back and looking forward. Uh, Gary, as we look forward here just weeks uh, from now, February 1 through 7 is another UN event. What's, what's happening? Yeah, the United Nations Interfaith Harmony Week. And this is an effort to bring all the major religious leaders of the world together to basically support the UN's agenda. And uh, so they're trying to bring about unity there because without the world's religions on board, it's difficult for them to make this uh, bigger agenda gel. And then the next week after that, February 12th through the 14th, uh, the World Government Summit will be held in Dubai, and that is the actual name of it, the World Government Summit. That's how blatant this is now. Mm-hmm. And they'll be covering six major themes. It covers everything, basically technology and banking, artificial intelligence, economics, education, the environment, health. Uh, you know, So they're pulling all those uh, areas together together. Uh, to solidify it, to push their agenda forward. Friends, all this on the near horizon, near calendar right now. Let's go next to Mason in Boston, Wisconsin. You're on the air. Um, my question is, you know, my, my, or point, you know, we have three quarters of a million uh, military people between uh, Minnesota, Wisconsin, uh, Ohio, New York, uh, Indiana, Michigan, uh, deer hunters. They'll sit in a tree for five days below zero weather, uh, deer hunting. And you know, we also have probably three quarters of a million, uh, veterans. I- I'm sorry. If-, if the police come knocking on the door like they did the last time, that, that- that's not going to happen. Okay. I tell you what, we got your main point here, Gary, your response. Yes, the one reason that the powers that be want to get the guns away from Americans is the fact that the U.S. is more armed than any other nation in the world. And so the U.S. has been standing in the way of this global agenda being thrust upon us. And and so, you know, if they do shut everything down digitally uh, through an EMP strike, that would make it a lot easier on them, but they'd still have to, you know, fight the people because I think at that point uh, people would fight in the United States because Mm. either that or go into concentration camps. And and so things would really get nasty at that point. And again, I I hope and pray that it doesn't come to that. Thank you, Mason. Brian is next. Uh, Go ahead, Brian. You're on the air. Yes, I got a question for Gary concerning uh, this November election about the integrity and honesty of tabulating all the votes. What's the update on making sure that this election will be true and honest? Well, it's going to vary so much, Brian, from state to state. Um, I mean, there, there are states' systems, election systems, are polar opposites. If you compare California with Florida, for example, I, I mean, it's like two different worlds. And so I think most of the liberal blue states are quite predictably going to go blue no matter what, and the red states are going to go red. What it's going to come down to is five or six of the swing states. And the problem is each one of those swing states is dominated by one big city. For example, Arizona, Phoenix. Phoenix has about half the population for the whole state. Uh, Georgia, Atlanta. Atlanta has over half the population for the whole state, the metro area, so on and so forth. And so all that the liberals have to do, the globalists have to do, is win those big cities in each of those swing states, and they have it. And they know it. And that's why they're putting millions and millions of, of bucks into those television markets and into doing everything they can to manipulate the narrative, put out false uh, information, and and just frank out, lie about stuff. Um, So uh, people living in those states, Arizona, Georgia, uh, North Carolina, uh, Wisconsin, um, Michigan, Pennsylvania, those are Mm -hmm. some of the key states. And uh, if, if conservatives could take those states then we would win the election. So then the question would be, what would happen between early November and January when the next president Mm -hmm. comes in? You know, there's still that time. And if they have to, I wouldn't put it past these people to try to spring an emergency upon us and declare martial law. And that's what would happen in an EMP strike, too, for example. Any of these things that we've talked about today could result in a type of martial law situation. Brian, thank you for the call. Appreciate it. And keep in mind, uh, legislators have tried to shore up election integrity laws in Wisconsin 
Every one of them has been vetoed by the governor. Kerry is calling from Wheeling, West Virginia. You're on the air. Uh, good afternoon, gentlemen. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, you mentioned uh, King Charles a little bit earlier in the conversation. I just wanted to ask whether or not you've uh, listened to an interview by Jamie Duvall with Tim Cohen with the concept uh, that he could potentially be the Antichrist. He's got six major signs that King Charles, Charles is the Antichrist. wanted to hear your comments. Okay, thank you. That. Yeah, that's, uh, thanks, Kerry. You really opened up a can of worms there. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> um, yes, I, I've, I've spoken with uh, Tim before. Uh, I've known him for probably over 20 years. He has done more research on the royal family than anyone else I know. And at first when I heard about it, I was somewhat dismissive of it, but then when I read his book and talked to him about it, uh, there's definitely a lot of power there and, and, and money, no question about it. And Charles is definitely playing a role in all of this. I'm just not sure if it's to, to that point mm-hmm. where he would actually be the top figure in the world to usher all of this in. And it's definitely like it, the kingpin within the environmental movement right now, so yeah. you know, it's worth keeping our eyes on that. But I'm not going to say a yay or nay on yeah. that. And it's like every generation, Gary, has had that person people pointed to, whether it be the, like a, a Gorbachev or somebody else in this world, you know, right. that's pointed to. So we, we don't know the day nor the hour nor the person, but uh, certainly we need to uh, trust in God through this. And uh, I, we ran out of time for more calls. But, Gary, we've got uh, 40 seconds remaining. Your ministry is called Hope for the World. Sometimes we have this cloud over our head, but but for believers in Christ, our smile should be on our face. That's right. The, the good news is we know and believe from Scripture that God will have the final say. And in the end, it will be our Lord, not the forces of darkness, who will win. We have to remember that. We cannot lose hope. Indeed. Gary Ka, our guest today, his website GaryKa.org, and that's spelled K-A-H, GaryKa.org. Gary, thank you so much for being with us here today. You bet. Thank you, Jim. Gary Ka with us here today. The Globalist Agenda, looking back, looking forward. Friends, keep in mind, James chapter 5, verse 16, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. When's the last time you prayed for this nation? When's the last time you prayed for our leaders across this land and the agendas that are before us? When's the last time you prayed regarding these elections? Let's commit these ways unto the Lord, shall we not? God bless you folks. Thanks for joining us today on Crosstalk. You've been listening to Crosstalk via satellite and the Internet from BCY America. Views expressed may or may not be those of this station. For a CD of today's program, send a donation of $6 or more to VCY Tape Ministry, 3434 West Kilbourne Avenue, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 53208. Or download by RSS or podcast from crosstalkamerica.com. And join us again for Crosstalk. Crosstalk.